It's Tuesday, October 1st. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Matt Greer, and I am joined in studio by Motley Fool analysts Andy Cross and Emily Flippin. How are we doing today? Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. Right. Start of the new quarter. Mm-hmm. Start of the new quarter, and quite a start for McCormick. Mm. Spicy, spicy earnings. Andy, why didn't I buy this stock a long time ago? I don't know. You could have bought it many years over the last years. Matt, I know, and, and I still don't own it. Very good money. Well, we'll talk about that. We're also going to talk some China, but let's kick things off with Charles Schwab. Schwab announcing that it is eliminating online trading commissions for U.S. stocks, ETFs, and options. Now, previously, trades were four dollars ninety-five cents. Starting October seventh, trades will be zero, as in free. Shares of Schwab down around 9% at the time of our taping. Andy, the ripple effect here, E-Trade down around 16%, and TD Ameritrade down 23%. Mm. What does it all mean? I will say, first of all, if for all the individual investors who are listening and members of The Motley Fool, this is just fantastic news. Uh, we've been talking about the fact that there is a race to the bottom when it comes to commission trade Fees. Interactive brokers has really been leading it over the last couple of years, lowering fees. And now Schwab, as they've moved down to below $5 and Fidelity has followed, now Schwab is really putting the gauntlet out there and going to zero for US listed stocks and Canadian listed stocks and ETFs. And this is for individual investors out there, this is great news because you should not be paying a lot, if at all, for your trades. So fantastic news. Schwab is tying this together with the book that is coming out by Charles Schwab, who's still chairman, still owns 8% of the company, Mac, worth more than $4 billion of the $50 billion plus company. His new book called Invested is coming out October 7th, so they decided to push the trade commission fee to zero. And as you said, this is having ripple effects because the other brokers, brokerage houses who have been following along this path over the years as costs are going to zero, they're going to have to follow along. This is not big business for these companies anymore. The the revenue that they will lose is somewhere Schwab is somewhere between three and four percent of their total revenues as these companies have moved much more to fee based solutions for their for their uh, brokerage holders. Schwab's one of the biggest out there. They have more than three point seven trillion dollars of assets, so it's very meaningful in the market. Okay, I want to push back a little though because you say it's fantastic news, but when you eliminate all commissions. Don't you encourage overtrading? And if you encourage overtrading, aren't you going to have more and more investors losing money? Well, you might. I mean, like the the metaphor I use is if if um, just because um, I'm I enjoy fat free ice cream doesn't mean I have to eat like a dozen tubs a night of fat free ice cream, right? So don't go crazy, and certainly don't overtrade. But the 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 fact that to invest in businesses, we have to right now at least use a brokerage. We shouldn't be paying for that that um, fact to do that. So for individual investors, as Charles Schwab for for decades has been leading this push to opening to lowering costs, democratizing investing, as the Motley Fool has has been doing for for more than two decades. Um, it's good news for individual investors who want to own businesses for the long term. Certainly, Matt, good point. Don't use it to overtrade. Please don't use it to overtrade because that is one of the worst things you can do for your portfolio returns. Forget the costs, mm-hmm. Emily. Just the fact that trading in and out of stocks is not good for your returns. The best way and to taxes. make money. A mess. Yeah, you have taxes, but even if you're like in a tax-free account or a tax advantage account, 
overtrading is just bad for your investments because you tend to sell stocks at the wrong time and buy at the wrong time. So don't use this as an excuse to overtrading, but certainly use it as an opportunity to try to lower your cost to be able to invest in businesses for the long term. You can't emphasize that enough. I mean, I just had a member post on the boards today for blast officers that I work on saying that because the portfolio had been so squeezed, I mean, the market obviously over the past month or two months has just been um, volatile to say the least, sold off almost 40% of his or her investments. And that's a problem, right? So if you have free trading, it might incentivize you to start doing stuff like selling when the stocks go down. And, and that's not what you want to be doing. I mean, we're buy and hold investors. When you look at the average returns for individual investors versus the market, it's always lower. And that's usually always attributable to the fact that people are very, very bad at timing the market, very mm. bad at making buying and selling decisions. So the best thing you can do, as always, is just to buy and hold. Hopefully, this just means that our members are now able to buy and hold for cheaper. Now, what's interesting about this from the market side, Mac, is that so um, some of the other competitors to Schwab are down pretty significantly in the markets today. Mm-hmm. Schwab is really prob from a, from an expense to asset perspective, the amount of assets they have under management and with their their clients have with Schwab is by far the most efficient. So from the cost side, they can spread their costs and kind of swallow the hit to the revenue better than most of the players out there, maybe other than interactive brokers. But so it is a real um, challenge to some of the other brokerage houses to really get not just their revenue in line from the cost from the commission side, but really continuing to use technology to improve the cost side. And Emily, before the taping, we're talking about some other Potential competitors who aren't yet public, like Robinhood. Mm. Um, the appeal of Robinhood, I know a lot of millennials and a lot of newer investors and younger investors use Robinhood. And the big selling point there, free trades. What does this mean for Robinhood? I actually still think Robinhood somewhat competitively positioned. Admittedly, they got their start by offering free trades and nobody else was. But they did a great job of building out a mobile platform when nobody else had it and pulling in an entire base of young users, people who otherwise never trade. They had the ability to do so for a lot cheaper. And I think it brought in a generation of investors that wouldn't have otherwise been in the market. So I don't think Robinhood is um, maybe as competitively positioned as they were if everybody else was charging $5 per trade. Uh, but I will say that I still like the business. I still think there's a sticky base of users. Admittedly, these users are younger, they're less lucrative than the users that big platforms have. So just something to keep in mind. I will say, um, I think, to Emily's point, that Robinhood has a really nice attraction. Active offering for the type of clients they are um, yes. they are bringing in. I think that's good, and they have brought investors into the market. Hopefully, investors, long-term investors, and that's good news. Um, I think this is a challenge. For, I think this is a real challenge for them, though. I don't know what their private market valuation is today yeah. compared to what it was yesterday. I'm guessing it's a little <laughs> bit lower. Um, but Schwab, I mean, they have 12 million active brokerage accounts, 1.7 million retirement accounts, 3.7 more than 3.7 trillion under assets. So they're the real big player out there, and they are getting more and more competitive. Advantage with this move, and the use of technology and where they are pushing their um, their own business to. I think when I look out long term, I think that's those kinds of um, investments are going to pay off, and that might be a little bit more of a challenge to, than to to someone like Robinhood than what it was maybe a few years ago when they got started. And let's move on to spices. McCormick just flat out getting it done once again. Shares up around five percent on earnings. Profits rising 11% for the quarter. Emily, 
That is a lot of Old Bay. That is a lot of Old Bay. It's a lot of spices there, Mac. Uh, yeah, the real story here is just operational efficiencies. Uh, McCormick sales have actually kind of had a sluggish start to the year. Um, and this growth in sales was small. Much smaller than its growth in earnings. So that is to say, despite the fact that sales are, I mean, they're steady sales, they're, you know, they're selling spices, they're doing their business, but they're really showing that they have operational efficiencies. Um, kind of stemming back to their, their 2017 acquisition of, I don't know, butcher this, Reckett Brexner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Reckett. So the, the Frank's hot sauce people, that's what I'm going to call them. Um, <laughs> I, I did go to our, our resident McCormick expert before coming in. So Jason Moser gave me his insights. And his thing was, you know, McCormick, the reason why it's been such an amazing performer is after that acquisition, I think it was something like a $4 billion acquisition. It was extremely expensive and people were concerned about the price uh, McCormick paid to, to acquire them. And they've actually done a great job of integrating that. It's growing sales, um, getting those operational efficiencies. His question was just, okay, what's next, right? So they need their their next newest greatest acquisition that might get the stock hammered again short term like it did for Reckett Brexner, uh, but it also offers opportunity for them to grow sales and and Further improve efficiencies in ways that they haven't been able to yet. And the brands, um, let, let me add that the brands, a lot of us think McCormick and we look at all the spices and the spice mm-hmm. racks, but their McCormick brands include McCormick, French's, Gourmet, Grillmates, Lowry's, Zotterains, and Espanol. So they have a lot of different sub brands within that McCormick umbrella. Yeah, this is kind of a company that when you look out history, we, we, we mentioned this at the top of the show, Mac, it's just been a, a wonderful stock performer, but it's one of those companies that I think looking over the last five years, been able to grow revenues, you know, in the mid single digits. So you're talking like five to seven percent, but they get these efficiencies. They continue to have kind of like cost reductions, get a little bit more fit efficient on the distribution, a little bit more efficient on the dish on the manufacturing. They make these acquisitions, and you get a business that can grow uh, their profits more like maybe twice that. So maybe more along the lines of ten percent. And you buy these stocks at the right at a reasonable price. Uh, maybe when the market sells off, like it did earlier this year after the announcement after some um, earnings announcements or after the big acquisition like that, and you have a chance to really own a very solid, probably not as volatile stock in the market over many years. You just have to have the patience because it's not going to get that the headlines that you might hear about from lots of the other larger companies, especially larger tech companies these days. And the stock, Andy, as you mentioned, has been incredible. In fact, if you're out and about tonight, you're hanging out with friends, or you're at home with your significant other or your spouse, here is a great conversation starter. And by great, I mean conversation ender. McCormick <laughs> stock has more than doubled over the last five years and has beaten the market over the last one, five, 10, and 20 year periods. So, Andy, it's not the sexiest stock unless market crushing returns are sexy. And, and those, they are sexy. They're certainly spicy. I mean, when you think about just buying and holding that, and the tax advantage behind that, instead of trading in and out of positions and just letting that company and that management team do what they've done for many years, and they have the brands. And I mean, it's very profitable. They have great profit margins. It's just a really good, solid company. Buy at the right price and hold on to it for the long term. Yeah, and I I just want to point out one thing in there, Max. So look at the returns over one year, beating the market. Right within that same period, they had a drop of almost twenty percent. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Right. So this is just a reminder to everybody going back to the point of not over trading. 
these stocks will go up and down dramatically, and they can still be good long-term investments. So, when a stock like McCormick's is down 20% because they had maybe a bad quarter, that's not your indicator. Now I can sell for free. I'm going to sell and then buy again later. No, just hold that company, and you'll get market-crushing returns. You know what's amazing about that is if you look long to over the last five years, the volatility of McCormick stock versus the market, it's much less volatile than the market. So, Emily, your point is so perfect. In between the course of a Certainly a day, but up to a year, any stock can be fairly volatile. But a company like McCormick over the long term tends to be less volatile than the market. And for those investors out there who are really just looking for companies to generate returns for their make money, generate returns for their portfolio, and maybe be a little less volatile, McCormick is a good way to go. So if I'm a McCormick shareholder, the stock goes down and I can make a free trade, I shouldn't necessarily make that trade. Definitely. You shouldn't. Okay. Do you have a favorite spice? I love Old Bay. I'm a. I mean, I live in Maryland. Old Bay and crab, like that's the that's the that's the connection right there for me. I'm obsessed right now with black pepper. I mean, I am putting that. <laughs> I am putting that on everything. I like I think that. It's, was it's that a little did you just discovered? You say once. that as if you recently <laughs> discovered black pepper. No, I mean, I, when I say that, I, normally I would sprinkle black. I am okay. I am eating food that is majorly flavored black pepper right now. And do you do you grind it yourself or do you get it I know, pre-ground? So so I have one that you grind and I have just this McCormick yeah. just the black pepper yes. spice. Nice. And I'm just putting the black pepper. I don't really like the one that's ground is a little too peppery. Well, it's not consistent. Yes. It's also exactly. not consistent. I can't get my kids to eat pepper. I was telling you earlier I can't get my kids to eat pepper and it's making me driving me bonkers. Oh, your kids Why? are if very you young. Any, if you have any advice out there how to get my kids Why is that to important? enjoy spicy I food? I don't I don't mean to Pepper you with questions here, but why? Why is getting your kids to eat pepper? Because because Mac, I love spicy food, and I want them to appreciate the nuances of spicy food, and they just are not doing it. So, if but, you have any advice out there, please let me know. My advice is to let them live their own lives. Does anybody it's else not about out there you. besides Mac it's not about have good you. advice for me? It's not about you. Your, gl- <laughs> that is your, true. your glory days are over. <laughs> They're long, long over. <laughs> Long over. I don't take that from me. I'm older than you. That's such a cheap <laughs> Not shot. Not by much, man. Yeah, by a lot. Okay, let's close with a couple of listener questions on China. Now, Emily, reports last week that the White House was considering delisting Chinese companies from U.S. stock exchanges. Now, over the weekend, a Treasury spokeswoman um, said the administration is not considering delisting Chinese companies, quote, at this time. End quote. So we got a couple of listener questions on that front. Um, Kathy owns a number of Chinese stocks that the Motley Fools recommended, and her question was: If Trump forces the delisting, am I forced to sell? And we also got a question on Twitter from Andy W. asking how a forced delisting would affect his ownership of those companies. Yeah, I will. I will say, Mac, when this news came out last Friday, I I saw it and I. I just quit for the day. <laughs> I thought I broke out the box of wine a little bit earlier than I normally would have. <laughs> box of wine. The box. I, I called it, it a day. And, and black pepper. Was there yeah. some black pepper? <laughs> Maybe some, some black pepper in the white wine. Yeah. No, um, I, I, I do at this point believe that Trump is out to personally get my portfolio. But I guess now other investors are starting to feel We're not what a I've political been feeling show, for a while. So no. just... <laughs> but I will say this um, it's great that they, they cleared up that statement. Um, 
it's the Nasdaq, for instance. It's a private company, so the idea of an administration forcing the delisting of companies would really be unprecedented. And to the extent that they could do that, it would have to be done in a regulatory manner. Now, the concern with Chinese companies, in particular, other than these companies just being used as a political tool, is the idea that they're not being held to the same accountability standards that American companies are, and there are easier ways, regulatory ways, to. Get them to maybe use a U.S.-based auditor, for instance, as opposed to using Chinese auditors. That's a lot easier to do than forcing all these companies to delist. Um, so I will just say that I, I think a thing like an act like this would be extremely unlikely. And I think that's an overstatement saying unlikely. It's it's virtually impossible. A lot of these Chinese companies, all of these Chinese companies, are incorporated in the Cayman Islands. There are a lot of other foreign companies that are also incorporated in the Cayman Islands. So are you going to therefore ban all companies incorporated in the Cayman Islands? You're inadvertently preventing the listing of other companies. But let's just say, so I don't think it's possible. But okay, let's go just with it. Yeah. Say say in a theoretical world that this did happen, and all these Chinese companies are forced to delist from American exchanges. Um, obviously, this would depend on the regulations that were put into place. And clearly, we didn't get any color about that. But if I can just ponder for a moment what that might look like, it could mean that these companies would be forced to move to over-the-counter markets. It's also possible that over-the-counter markets would also be regulated. If that were the case, what would likely happen is these companies would then choose to list on a foreign exchange, Hong Kong Stock Exchange, London Stock Exchange, a different exchange. Um, and how that how they would handle that would likely be to retain your share ownership on a foreign exchange, then it goes on to your broker about how they're going to support that. If not, then it's possible that you would essentially be forced to sell your shares. Again, I don't think something like this is going to happen. I It's not a factor when I think about buying these companies. I, I think right now, we're just seeing a lot of, of investors. Our personal portfolio is being used as a political tool right now, and what is increasing tensions between the US and China. I agree with Emily. I think the chances are, are, are slight. Or, not very high, at least. Um, again, Mac, it's just another example. You see so much, um, these, especially these days, just a, a lot of headlines out there that drive um, short-term day trading, essentially. And we want to make sure investors out there who are listening, truly Motley Fool investors, understand that you take the news headlines, but you have to digest them. You have to understand what it means for looking at the next three, five. But what years. if trades are so, free now? <laughs> well, trades are going free, Mac. Um, at least at one house, right, brokerage house right now, and probably um, others are going to follow. So it does not mean you have to trade, obviously. So um, all jokes aside, you want to make sure when you see headlines like this, because we know they're out there. You obviously take a take a perspective that is healthier than just a day, and preferably three to five years. Okay, Desert Island question. You know, we don't really have a lot of stocks on this show, so we could create some basket of Chinese listed companies. Or we could just say you're on a desert island for the next five years. You're looking at like McCormick, or Schwab, or I don't know Black Pepper. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, let's, let's go. Let's, let's go. Let's go McCormick or Schwab. I, well, I can't say Black Pepper because I can't get my kids to eat it. So I, I'm I'm saying Schwab. I just think it's it's a large cap company, but the the scale they are building out and the size they are at the at the rate and the size they are doing it at, um, I think it's just really impressive. Exceptionally well run, very profitable with good returns on equity and a cost base, especially low cost base um, that's getting cheap. 
cheaper as they use technology. And if they get at some point, if interest rates start to move in the other direction, that's going to be good news for Schwab shareholders. Yeah, I'll I'll say McCormick actually. Uh, One of the things that we didn't mention is McCormick has it's a low dividend, but it's a pretty steadily paid dividend, which is nice for investors. And I I personally think I consume enough black pepper to keep this company in business (laughs) for the foreseeable future. Okay, well, as always, people on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Andy and Emily, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Mac. Thank you. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Matt Greer. Thanks for listening, and we will see you tomorrow.